I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, May 25th, 2019. The only thing we have to economic health of this nation has been more essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline in the dollar is It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon, your host this week, and I'm here with Jessica Thomas, who is a CPA. Hi. Yeah, just like that. Yep. And Peter Lynch. Good morning. Good so, to be here. Uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, always good to be here. So we got a market that is up on the year, 11.97%. That's uh, that's quite a rally. Uh, you know, we finished the year. Last year on kind of a weak note um, where we had a decline from September 20th down to uh, November 24th. It was a decline of almost 20%. We got within, oh, I think, 10 bips, 2 bips, something like that. You could argue that we did have that classic correction, you know, a, a bear market. Would it be at 20%? I think it is. Mm-hmm. 10% is a correction. So, uh, you know, you can plant yourself in whichever camp you want. But... Uh, the recovery has been strong. Uh, we have seen some all-time highs this year. Uh, we started seeing them early in May. How high did we get? Uh, barely over our last highs. It hit in September 20 uh, of 2018. It wasn't it wasn't huge, but I mean, you know, it's uh, it's signs of of a, a rebound for sure. Um, but now we're starting to see some some weird things go on with uh, you know I, even I have been. Uh, pretty steady on the on the notion that uh, the the trade spat that we're having with China was just a negotiating tactic with uh, you know with Donald Trump, our president, and uh, I, I'm I'm beginning to start to wonder if that's exactly the way this is going to go. I, I really didn't expect that he was going to push through. Uh, I thought that uh, China would blink a little bit, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, I don't know of anybody who looks at this stuff very closely, who doesn't agree with me when they say China's got a heck of a lot to lose in this whole battle. Um, you know, they're basically an export nation. They rely heavily on that. Uh, we are not their biggest trading partner. They trade more with uh, some of the European nations. We actually, um, they're not our biggest importer either. Both uh, Canada and Mexico are larger. Much of Canada's imports to the U.S. are energy-based, so we get a lot of oil from there. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it's becoming a bit more interesting and not necessarily in a good way. Uh, so we saw some, some volatility creep back in the market this week. Um, if you look at the one-year returns, they're really low. Uh, 12-month S&P 500, this is without dividend, 2.71% gain. Uh, you look at utilities, 19.8%. It's, uh, it's always a little scary when utilities lead the pack. Uh, it's usually a sign of, uh, uh, you know, changes in treasury yields, interest rates, uh, doing weird things. And we got some news on that this week as well. I noticed uh, Thursday of the, of the past week, um, 
we saw about a 23 basis point parallel move in the yield curve and move in, in, in as much as it fell. In one month? In one day. In 23 one day. basis points, 0.23%, which, uh, you know, you could say, oh, that's not much. A uh, one-day move of 0.23% is pretty significant. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and that was from about the three-year, two- or three-year treasury all the way out to the 30-year. Everything in parallel basically moved lower. Uh, now, if you're an investor in fixed income, lower yields, lower interest rates mean positive gains, right? The price moves higher when the when the yield goes down. So uh anybody that's that's uh heavily invested in in uh, fixed income this past week, meaning bonds, uh or you know, ETFs, old bonds, mutual funds, old bonds, any of those, uh probably has seen a, a pretty significant increase in their in their wealth in just a short period of time. And the longer out the maturity curve they go, meaning you know, we talk about it as duration. Basically, it's sensitivity to interest rates. Uh, the longer your maturities in your bond portfolio, the more you see that price rise. And conversely, when yields go up, you see it fall quicker, too. Um, but anyway, that's uh, that's kind of what we're looking at. <clears throat> um, S&P 500 a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I guess, we pretty much came to the end of earnings season for the, the uh, first quarter. We always get those reports in the second quarter. Uh, if you look at the surprise, meaning uh, how the market did relative to analyst expectations, the surprise in earnings, 6.52%. To the positive, meaning better than expected, uh, sales surprise, so this is revenue, the top line, uh, was negative a little bit, 0.08%. Um, when you dig deeper into this, uh, the big surprise areas, materials at 16.74%. And consumer discretionary beat earnings estimates by 15.4%. The rest of them are in a range between one and a half to maybe up to almost nine, nine percent was communication services. That uh, sector's had some significant changes over the last year. Uh, you know, with uh, it used to be just AT&T, Sprint, and uh, I forget there was one other. Um, had to be Team Verizon. Mobile? It was Verizon. Verizon. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, now we've got Disney and Facebook. Google and Facebook, all those communication-type companies that uh, we used to think of as technology, except for Disney, which we thought of as uh, consumer discretionary. But some of those other stocks have crept their way into communication services. You start to see a little more action, if you will, some more volatility, um, maybe to the upside, but you see earnings growth creeping back in there as well. So uh, just a, kind of a function of the change that we've seen. As far as growth goes, the growth numbers weren't really robust for the first quarter, 1.48% overall earnings growth in the S&P 500. Um, energy, negative 24.85%. It's always going to be driven by the, the uh, price of oil. Uh, to a great extent. Materials also negative, almost 17%. So while they were better than the analysts expected by a significant amount, <laughs> it was also a negative. So, you know, the, the growth was was not robust. Uh, when you look at sales growth, 4.45%, that's uh, actually pretty significant. You don't often see um, top line beat uh, by such a, an amount. And what we saw for a long time um, back a few years ago was uh, revenue growth around one and a half to two and a half percent, and then you'd see earnings grow by a significant amount. So companies were 
uh, kind of tightening their belts, lowering expenses, um, making their profit margins higher. Um, but now we're seeing kind of a reverse of that. So, uh, um, you know, that's that's kind of what we've got there. Like I say, talked about uh, interest rates. If you look overall for the week, everything uh, just for the for the changes that we've seen, somewhere between uh, six and eight percent or six and eight basis points, which is 0.06 to 0.08 percent. Very small changes. Um, mortgage rates increased nine basis points to 4.16. Um, but if you look uh, at some of the some of the uh, economic reports we got, existing home sales dropped in April, falling 0.4 percent uh, from March's revised total. You look back to uh, April of 2018, so a year-on-year basis, a decline in existing home sales of 4.4 percent. Uh, one of the things that we're starting to see is uh, uh, excess demand and low affordability. So we've got people that want to buy a house, but they can't necessarily because they can't afford it. Uh, prices of those existing homes has uh, kind of gotten out of their reach. Uh, if you look at new home sales, uh, the story is similar. Um, northeast has been kind of weak. The other three areas, the south, um, west, and midwest have all uh, been relatively strong. But the upper price tiers are where you're seeing homes sell, not so much in the starter home range. So I don't know if this is uh, this is kind of a demographic issue. We talk a lot about millennials and how they don't want to buy a house. They'd rather rent. Um, you know, it's hard to say exactly what's going on there. And is upper uh, tier still over 450, 500,000? Yeah, I think yeah. around around here, and when I say here, the Kennesaw area, West Cobb, uh, you know, North Cobb, West Cobb, that range, what we're seeing is um, uh, they don't build a home unless it's in the 400s anymore. Right. Right. And as long as interest rates stay relatively low, we believe that, uh, you know, that's all still somewhat sustainable. But if you start seeing interest rates rise, and I don't believe that's our next step, but it could be, you know, two years down the road we could see interest rates increasing. Okay. They're still um, very attractive. They are. Uh, but I think that's when you start worrying about housing and whether or not people are going to really be able to afford it, maybe even the one that they're sitting in at the moment. Right. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times still you've got people that use those creative uh, mortgages where it's a kind of a floating rate or, you know, resets after five years or something like that. So uh be interesting to watch. Uh, we got notes from the FOMC. Um, basically, they're telling us that uh, they like the wait-and-see approach, the slow-change uh, slow approach, and uh, they, they noticed that uh, some of the economic data that we were worried about, um, you know, a few months ago is now, you know, kind of, kind of backing off. So uh, they're saying things look better. I'm starting to see things that I think look a little bit worse. Um, but anyway, that's, that's kind of where we are. Uh, and holding steady still on interest rates then yeah. for the time being. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, like I say, this week we had a, a decline, but it wasn't horrible. Well, we're going to take a real quick break right there. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a dog of the week. Stick around. It's going to be great. They paint paradise and put up a fucking line With a pink hotel You ain't 
This is the dog. The dog of the week. All right, dog of the week this week. Actually, I have a whole pack of dogs, as uh, Jesse has put it. One for every day of the weekend. No doubt. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got some stuff. So uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about the fact that some of these small French villages are having schools closed because population issues. They don't have enough folks to uh, to serve um in in their town so they're closing schools consolidating this is a, a an edict that came out uh from the the national government so uh what they did was they enrolled 15 sheep in the in the <laughs> local schools i mean you know they called them bad bet and things of that nature but uh 15 sheep were were taken to school so that's old news this week, I ran across a story that says there is another French mayor who has got a creative response to the to the national government's stance. Uh, he is offering free Viagra to boost local birth rates. So <laughs> any couple from 18 to 40 years old, I think 40 is probably a little old. I mean, I, my youngest daughter was born at 40. You know, my wife's age 40. But either way. He's uh, he's doing that, and I just wanted to make sure that I followed up. This is another one of those creative responses. You know, we'll give you Viagra and make um, make our population issue go away, um, so that we can keep our schools open. He's finding solutions. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you either you either bring in a bunch of sheep or you give folks Viagra. <laughs> is that the and age hopefully group? Hopefully, they don't get all that mixed up. Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> is that the age group that needs Viagra? I would think not. It's usually the older folks, but I mean, you know, you, you can understand what he's aiming at here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, anyway. to follow up in nine months. <laughs> yes, see just what happened. Now, the rest of these, as you know, I like to talk about things that are either a you know a creative economic response, um, you know, maybe weird marketing, whatever. So uh, there is a, a, a new app um, in Aust- Austria. Who has a uh, who's who's had a challenge? You can take a picture of yourself kissing a cow. It says with or without tongue. I'm not <laughs> sure if you're talking about the cow or yourself. But uh, if you get it, if you get a picture of it, you can put it on Castle C A S T L. As we all know, you can't spell out any word and really be cool these days. Correct. Right. And you know, I am a hipster, so or at least a budding <laughs> hipster, trying to be more hip by the moment. Um, so uh, they're they're offering um, to folks that live in in uh, Austria. They call it a. I'm sure I don't pronounce this correctly, but Kukus Kukus Challenge, K U H K U S S Challenge. I guess just what? kiss a cow. What do you now, got for it? Uh, recognition. I mean, you get you get fame. I mean, that's that's the greatest thing, right? Less dangerous than dancing outside your car. Well, I'm not so. sure that it is because some of the regulators have come in. The oh. government is telling them, don't do this, especially if the cow has calves. You could be injured severely, <laughs> and they say that it's dangerous for the cow as well. How? I, I don't. Uh, I mean, that's the piece yeah. I don't really understand. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, since I told you I had a pack, I'm going to move on now. This is another one of those things that ties back into electronics and our our uh, social media. There's an individual who is a fugitive. This is uh, from the AP. Um, 
Jose Sims uh, said he wanted to give Connecticut police a little incentive for all the hard work they've put in to catch him. Uh, he's wanted on about seven counts, most of which are felonies. He said that if his Facebook photo, if they will post it and he can get 15,000 people to like his wanted photo, he'll turn himself in. So he's I, not I even mean, caught I don't, yet. No, he's not caught. Oh. He, he's he's uh, taunting with them. them. Yeah, of course. And there are <laughs> there are uh, officials out there saying that this is... It's not, uh, you know, the, the police have actually gone along. They said that uh, they negotiated with him. He wanted 20,000 likes initially. They negotiated him down to 15,000. And uh, he says he's a man of his word. Obviously, um, you know, he's, he's a stand-up citizen except for those seven <laughs> times that he committed a felony, uh, part of which is, uh, you know, endangerment of children. And I, it sounds to me like he must have been in a uh, some situation where he fled from police but uh you know he says definitely he's, he'll turn himself in but there are those that say that there's uh, there are serious ethical issues with the police playing along and I would tend to agree with that I I'm you know in the meantime the cops are saying if you know this guy you know where he is where he's hanging out please let us know and we'll just end this all immediately we'll go catch him um but anyway that's uh that's my dogs of the week. We'll call it a pack, um, but I really couldn't let those go. I mean, the first one is, like I say, a tie into a previous story. Uh, you got to keep everybody up on uh, how France is dealing with its uh, population, lack of population growth, and uh, there they are. All right, so uh, we are a financial show, believe it or not, and uh, that's the kind of stuff we really like to talk about. I just do this dog of the week to. Uh, to make it interesting and uh, and hopefully it it hits the mark. Um, but there's a uh, there's a situation we wanted to talk about. Ava and Max are confused as to what to do. Uh, they were told by their financial advisor they should use this market decline uh, to tax loss sell to offset some of their gains. And there's almost always you know a, a security that's down. I know I heralded last year. Was it last year? Yeah, no, year before last in 17. Uh, when we had a 20% increase in the S&P 500 and about 24% of all of the securities in the S&P 500 actually had a loss. So you, you had, if you held them individually, you could have, you know, probably had opportunities to manage your tax situation. And that's what's aimed at here when we're talking about tax loss harvesting. So, um, you know, uh, Max Friend, who's a, who's a portfolio manager, uh, Recommended not to sell anything. Ava then asked her CPA for advice and again received the same conflicting message. Uh, basically, it seems the portfolio manager recommends staying invested. Financial advisor says there's an opportunity to achieve a higher after-tax return. Um, the CPA says sell what you can for a loss to offset as much tax as possible. So three professionals with three differing opinions uh, and Lo and behold, we got three similar folks on the show today. Uh, so we're going to have the big smackdown. We've got metal chairs, uh, folding tables. We can break stuff. I mean, you know, sling each other around, whatever you want to do. I am, am the guy that usually comes at this from the point of view of the portfolio manager. Um, it is my job to make people money, period. Right. So if I'm recommending it, even if it's at a loss, I believe it still has benefits to the investor. Mm -hmm. Long term. Long term. Jesse, you're you're the CPA. 
Um, job is to save people money. Exactly. And, and Lower that tax bill. Exactly. So, Peter, you're kind of in the middle here. You, A little you bit of both. The, yeah, the, the highest after-tax return. And, and, Jesse, I know we've talked off the air, and you're kind of there, too. And I see that point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but, again, if I'm recommending it, I believe that it has uh, potential to go higher, so that's that's kind of where I stand. Now, I'll leave the floor open. You guys can talk about why you believe what you believe and, and what it is. I'll tell you this, though, before we get into that. The key to this whole thing is being able to foretell the future, right? Right. Who knows what in the world's going to happen next? Yeah, I can make some great recommendations if you want to buy in in 2017. Oh, absolutely! Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With the with the uh, with the uh, vision of uh, of history, we yeah. can all just go crazy with that. But I don't have a time machine, so I can't really help you on that. Uh, but we've seen recently, you know, some stocks that have have performed well for a long time and then they fall apart, like a GE. Uh, we've seen Boeing, which was mm-hmm. uh, a huge driver. The Dow's. Uh, recent rise and now decline for the last month or so. Um, so what do we do with those and why? I think it, you've got to look at them fundamentally, too. So coming from your point of view, if the stock is still a good stock to hold long term, even if it's pulled back, from my point of view, we can temporarily sell it, take a loss uh, against any gains. Um, but there are a couple of important things that you have to do while you're selling that stock. If you believe it still needs to be in the portfolio um, and you're going to be buying it back in 31 days. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is to avoid any wash sale rules, which means uh, the IRS won't let you just sell it today, buy it back tomorrow, claim the loss, and move on. You have to be out of that stock for 30 days, so you buy it the 31st day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that brings up the big question of trying the, to time the market. In the next 30 days, what's going to happen? Exactly, right. and we saw what happened at the end of December and then what quickly happened in January. So replacing that stock with something that is not a similar security, so using maybe a, an S&P 500 fund or something so that you're not completely out of the market after you've sold, um, I think is a big big thing that you need to do yeah, when you're well, trying to do Peter, this. Peter, let's leave it right there for just a minute. We need to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk to you about what to do in the absence of, you know, if you do sell the security, there's certain ways that you can handle it. What do you buy? We'll talk to you in a minute. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. We'll be right back. is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. We've got a good topic going on about uh, tax loss harvesting. We love to talk about, uh, you know, answer financial questions on the show, talk about financial topics. If you have a question you would like to have answered, we'd love to hear from you. You can call our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. The way it works, uh, you'll get a recorded message. Um, At the beep, you'll leave your recording, including your question, 
We'll play the question on the air and answer your question right behind it. Uh, if you prefer to talk to a human being, you can call us at 770-429-9166. Uh, ask for our radio show producer, Kelly Lynn. Uh, she will take down your your uh, request, uh, get it to us, and we will answer uh, your question on the air as well. If you don't care to talk, make a phone call, talk to a human or a machine, you can just email us uh, at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, put in the email what your question is, and uh, we'll, we'll answer it on the air. Uh, and if you would like to answer your own question, we have a lot of them uploaded on our website. It's just a few months old uh, after we've uh, revamped it. Um, we, we had a, a big update to the uh to the Hensler.com website uh, just a few months ago. Again, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, you can go on there, find your topic if it's a pretty broad one, not too specific to you only, uh, and probably you can answer your own questions that way. All right, so when we left off, we were talking about, so you've got a stock that's down, you want to reduce your uh, tax burden. The way that works is uh, once you realize the loss, you have to stay out of that stock or anything very similar um, so, uh, you know, most of the time, if you sell an individual security, an individual stock, uh, you're not going to get dinged by the IRS. Uh, what you probably want to be careful of there is if you have an exchange-traded fund that follows the S&P 500, you sell it, buy another one that does the same thing, you might be getting way too close for my comfort for sure. But in the meantime, what are you going to do with this? There's, there's a couple of possibilities, right? Uh, maybe three. The market goes up, you've got it in cash, you get left behind. The market goes down, you got it in cash, you win. The market goes up, you've got it in a security. Uh, it, you know, you could you could buy a broad market security as a replacement. You know, short term, maybe the S and P 500. Market goes up, you sell it. Uh, at the end, you've got a short term gain. Yes. Which is totally against what you were trying to do. Uh, you own that S&P 500, the market goes down, you've lost, right? Mm -hmm. So then the other piece is, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an ETF similar, a stock that's maybe one of your others that's on your watch list, whatever it might be. Uh, but the problem is we don't know. The market is very volatile. Even, you know, if you've got fundamentals, as, uh, as, as Peter mentioned, if you've got fundamentals on a stock that look really good, sometimes it takes a while for that to begin to work. Right. And you're trying to do all of this in a 31-day period. Mm -hmm. Right. And 31 days in the stock market is very short term. Yeah. And one thing to mention, too, just because I did get a question from a client that this does need to be done only in a taxable account. Only in a taxable account. Makes no right. sense to do it in, in an IRA None or retirement whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you don't get the benefit of the tax. I mean, the, right. the loss of the gain uh, is is insignificant there because it's tax deferred. You don't. I mean, you best just to stay invested in those accounts for exactly. sure. Right. And even in a taxable account, it only makes sense if you have income that it can be used to offset. So if you're worried because you've gotten a raise at work or something similar, you had to take your RMD this year. It's not going to help you there. These losses can only be used to offset capital gains income. Um, and then an additional $3,000. So the maximum loss benefit you're ever going to get is the offset of capital gains and then $3,000. No. So if you've got a position and you don't have any capital gains to offset and you still think that stock might be viable in the future, 
it's definitely not worth selling at all. Right, yeah. So as a financial analyst, I, I look at the, the portfolio overall. I like to look at metrics, uh, you know, where, where one stock's benefit might offset another one's uh, lack of benefit. So, you know, you get less volatility. One moves a lot and one doesn't. Uh, things of that nature. So, uh, you know, that's what diversification is all about and, and uh, how things are correlated relative to the other. Uh, I'm not going to recommend a stock that I don't believe is going to be beneficial to the investor. So if I'm still recommending it, I say hold it. If uh, if I get to a point where a stock has appreciated greatly and I say sell it, a lot of times I get pushback, even from my advisors, my my financial advisors to the client who say, yeah, but you're going to create a, a huge uh, tax situation for the client. I will agree. When you sell something, you either lock in a loss or a gain, and that is known, period. So, I mean, we, we get to this point then where we're talking about, you know, we're going to sell this for a loss. The future's impossible to know, especially over the next 30, 31 days. Um, you know, you might create this short-term gain, you might have a loss and things are good, but you also have a short-term loss because you bought a stock and it fell too, which in that case you'd have been better to hold cash. Mm -hmm. So there's really not a clear answer to this puzzle, right? There isn't, and it, it's just one of the many pieces of financial planning. So you do have to include the tax portion. Right. You do have to include that we don't know what the market's going to do. Um, but it is an option that's available, so it's a good idea to talk to your financial advisor. Right. Is this right for me? And if they can communicate with your accountant, that's even better, because if you're selling something that has a gain and you think that it's a good time to sell it, everyone agrees, you know, taking a loss to offset it may not be the best answer. There may be other tax or financial planning strategies that can eliminate that without having to start a cage match between all these different people <laughs> who do and do not want you to take this loss. Right. And, you know, here's the other thing. I, it's it's as important to consider what about taking the gains. Mm -hmm. um, you know, recently we saw what happened to Boeing. Boeing had been on a tear. It was one of the best uh, best performing securities in the market period. But they started having these issues. The news was getting negative on them. Now the stock didn't move a lot because a lot of I I blame it on retail investors, but a lot of investors. We're still confident and comfortable holding Boeing, even though they were showing that they were having this this potential problem. Mm -hmm. They continue to have the same problem. They haven't cured it yet. Um, don't really know the ultimate cause, uh, but it's got a good group of the planes that they have sold to clients grounded, and they have mm -hmm. lost some of the the uh, um, the, the backlog in in orders, especially on that uh, 737 Max. Uh, platform, They're, they are losing uh, potential sales there. So, um, you know, when I start seeing those things, I'm going to start pounding the table, hey, we need to get out of this. And, and that and brings up the point, too, of rebalancing the portfolio. So when you have those big gains, you want to trim back those profits, take the profits, and then potentially look for some losses to offset that. Right. And even without losses, I mean, you're talking if you've held the stock for over a year, long-term capital gains rates, which are maxing out at 20%. Most people are in a 10 or a 0 to 15% bracket right. there, mm -hmm. as opposed to the top ordinary rate of 37%. You're still having a savings. 
substantial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you've 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 locked in that gain at that point. You know, you're away from a, a bad news situation. Say you invested, uh, you know, just for round numbers' sake. Say you invested a thousand dollars, and the thing doubled. So now you have two thousand. Uh, you sell it. You only owe tax on the thousand that was the gain, not the mm-hmm. not the basis, uh, not the thousand that you invested. So even if it's a twenty percent tax rate on a long term, meaning you held it over a year, a year and a day, uh, or longer, you, you've still you know, you owe, what, 200 bucks? You got, you invested 1000 you walked away with 1800 I'd say that's a pretty big win. Yeah. But there are people out there that just absolutely do not want to pay tax. And that was one of the things, too, and, Jesse, I'm sure you've used this line about letting the tax savings wag the investment dog. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's not it. good to fall into that trap. So while while tax is important, and Absolutely. again, you know, you, you make a transaction. When you sell something, you either owe tax or you get a tax break. Uh, we don't we can know exactly which you're going to have, but we don't know what the future is going to be on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my opinion, paying a $200 tax bill on a $2,000 investment, really it's only 10% of the total investment. It's 20% of the gain that you made. Um, but at the end of the day, if things look ugly fundamentally, I'm still going to be the guy that pounds the table and says, sell it. I don't care what the tax issue is. And that, again, goes to that, you know, the wrong uh, the wrong end wagging the dog, right? <laughs> but uh, anyway, so so that's that's kind of where we all are. It wasn't really much of a fight. i, I got to tell you, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I, but in the end... You know, it is. We do have some pretty heated debates as to whether or not we do this, that, or the other thing. And quite often it boils right down to what the client wants. Mm -hmm. You can explain it to some people. They get it, and they they go with what your advice is. You can explain it to others, and they look at you square in the eye and say, don't care, don't want to have a gain. How in the world do you get around a gain? Hold it until you You can't hold it anymore? Yeah, you either... Pass away. Pass it to your estate and, and take a step up in basis. Right. Uh, I mean, it's either that. You lose money until you don't have a gain anymore, mm-hmm. or you give the thing to charity mm-hmm. at market value. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a real quick break right here. When we come back, we will answer some financial questions. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. You're listening to Money Talks. In the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks. We're back. Hopefully they're not talking about any of us. Rest for the wicked, right? Uh, I'm Troy Harmon here today with uh, Jessica Thomas and Peter Lynch, and uh, we've been talking a lot about tax loss harvesting. The one final shot in that is... It is our job to make our clients wealthier. When you make money, you pay taxes, period. If you're going to avoid paying taxes, you do it by not making a dime. Correct. So, uh, you know, there's folks around here that say it. I want to pay as much tax as I can because that means that I made a whole bunch of money. But you don't run across near as many of those as the ones that you say, you know, let's do this. Oh, but I don't want to pay tax. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, if you would like to get a hold of us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, our 
Question hotline is 1-855-429-9166. Call in, uh, listen to our recorded message, leave your own recorded message, including your question. We'll answer it on the air. Uh, you can call in, talk to a human being, 770-429-9166. That also is the number where you can get a hold of Jessica Thomas or Peter Lynch. Uh, you know, we got a, Peter Lynch is a financial advisor, a, a financial planner, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, an associate with the firm. Uh, Jessica can help you on taxes and uh, anything related to the IRS, and, you know, it's always a fun subject, right? Absolutely. And you can also email us at drgeneinsler.com, D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, we got a few questions this week, and we do want to answer uh, this one from Thomas from Smyrna. He writes, um, I've been freelance independent for nearly two years now. Uh, I've had a steady stream of clients and would like to start a retirement fund. What are my options? Yes, so there are a few options when you're freelance and independent. The easiest route is to do an IRA. Just um, an individual in, retirement account. Mm -hmm, individual retirement account, either a traditional IRA or depending on your income level, if you're below the threshold, a Roth. So with the Roth, you don't get upfront tax benefit. You pay the tax on the income now. Um, but down the road when you take it out, no taxes on that money, and there's no required distribution, so you don't have to take out a chunk every year once you reach a certain age. Um, the traditional is a better option for people just because it's, it is accessible to everyone. Um, if you have too much income, then it's not deductible on your tax return, but you can always contribute um, into that $6,000 in 2019, or if you're above the age of 50, $7,000. Right. And, and the way that you would do that, uh, any of those accounts, uh, mm -hmm. you just contact one of the many custodians in the world, probably the three most common, the ones that we use a lot, Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, uh, there's others. Uh, some are electronic, but, uh, you know, you would contact them, tell them what you want to do, uh, and they will step you through the process mm -hmm. of getting that account started, right? And you mm -hmm. also want to make sure that your accountant knows right. precisely what you're doing. Just mm -hmm. in case there's any tax savings. And, and it might actually be a great idea before you even call the custodian to call your accountant. And Correct. figure out just exactly what works best mm -hmm. for you because, uh, you know, there are advantages to some that you don't get with others, right? Right. And, and with that in mind, I mean, if you are working freelance and independent, if you don't have any employees who are working for you, a SEP IRA might be another option because you can put more away than that $7,000 a year. And what does that SEP stand for? Do you recall? Self-employed? Self-employed pension. Okay. Simplified employee pension Simplified. plan. Simplified. All right. Yes. And so with that, in 2019, you can put away either 25% of your pre-tax income from self-employment or 20% of, no, I'm sorry, 25% of pre-tax income which is 20% of self-employment income reduced by your half of the self-employment taxes or $56,000, whichever one of those is lower. All right. So at so a higher limit than mm -hmm. standard IRA. Uh, yeah, Definitely. which is which is great. It allows you to save more money away, and uh, we all know, especially if you do it really early in life, uh, the more you can save, the better off mm -hmm. you are when you get older. Uh, the, the money growing as, as you work, your money working for you is, is always a better plan. Now, you mentioned if you don't have employees, what if you do have an employee? Yes, the catch is if you do have employees, you can still have this SEP IRA, but whatever percentage you are contributing, you are required by law to contribute for them as well. Okay. So it's a more expensive option. Um, I definitely have clients who do it, do it for their employees if they're feeling generous, but 
if, if you do have employees and you're worried about funding your income and you don't have the income to fund theirs, it's not a good option for you. Okay. And then if as the business grows and grows and grows, you can start thinking about things like a 401k that would cover all mm -hmm. of the employees, including yourself, right? Correct. And uh, we've got a whole division that actually talks about that every day, all day long, uh, with those those uh, employers that have well, probably what 20 or more yeah, employees. 20, 20 or more. You can have them. You can have a 401k with clients. I mean, with uh, employees that have employers rather that have uh, fewer than those 20. I think we have some with as few as three participants, mm -hmm. but. Uh, you know, usually as the business grows and gets bigger, that's kind of the next step. All right, so uh, we've got another one here. Uh, uh, Alan from Atlanta says, I want to offer my employees an extra benefit. Can you imagine just why I took this question uh, of financial education? I see this is valuable and important, uh, but is uh, it uh, important to the employee? We have a retirement plan, but participation is low. I can tell you from my own experience working with those guys in the 401k division here at Hensler Financial, that the more educated your employees are, the more they're going to participate in your retirement plan. Now, I've got family members very close to me that uh, call their 401k uh, kind of their, their Vegas fund. And I always <laughs> try to, uh, you know, as much as I want to grab him by the neck, I, I don't. And I try to explain to him, this is not the same. I mean, if you look, and one of the reasons at the end of the show, we always ask, the market going to be up or down this week, two-thirds of the time, the financial markets go up. Uh, why? Because inflation drives earnings higher. When earnings grow, the company makes more money. They pass it down uh, to the investors in the form of a dividend or the price of the stock increases, right? So it's not like Vegas where the odds are stacked against you. They actually are stocked, stacked in your favor in this case. So uh, it's much better than, to invest. But I'll let you guys answer the question. So I want to offer my employees the extra benefit of financial education. How do you go about that? You've got to be careful with this, right? Because there are some rules that, uh, that you, can, you can get cross with. You can't really be the advisor for your employees, but you can hire one that can come in and talk about it, right? Right, and we've got that division, like you said, our retirement right. services division. Um, but it is a benefit. Um, when I was younger, it was the 401k was optional, and a lot of people just didn't do it. Right now, companies have that as it's set, where you have to be a participant unless you opt out. Right. Um, and for a while, that was good, but the money usually just went into a cash account, didn't grow. And right. And now I see that you set up the plan and. They may choose a target date fund. That's the more common way, that which, uh, the default option yeah, these days. Which I really like because you're, you're participating and you're in the market, so hopefully that money's going to grow over time. Yeah, and although they use those target dates are not the absolute best, they use no. kind of rules of thumb right. as to how much equity you should have and how much debt you should have, or, uh, you know, uh, stocks and bonds, you call them whatever you want. But uh, most yeah. of the time a young person is going to have a lot of stocks, and an older person is going to start getting more exposure to the bond market when they go through. So their portfolio gets less volatile. But it really doesn't speak of your risk specifically. Right. I agree. And they aren't the best, but for somebody uh, who's not going to do anything on their own, oh it's yeah. a good place to start. It's better than a stable value fund, which is to say very short maturity bonds, right. almost cash. Almost cash. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you make more money. Your money, again, works for you as you work, and, uh, and, and life is good. Yeah. Uh, especially if you start early. 
So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, education is absolutely possible, yeah. uh, and it's great, uh, you know, from the tax mm -hmm. side. Jesse, do you have anything to add to that? No, I mean, just that it's good to have, get them in young, and, I mean, the, the real benefit there is, you know, if they can explain the difference between the Roth 401K, which is relatively new, and the 401K. Right, um, the traditional. Especially mm -hmm. for, you know, younger participants. Yeah. If and they think their tax burden is going to increase, which is the trend, then, you know, get into the Roth while you're younger so that the right. tax isn't there later. And if you go into the traditional, it's not dollar for dollar. They might take $100 and put it into your traditional IRA. Right. But at the end of the day, your your uh, check doesn't go down by 100 because there's tax benefits there. Mm -hmm. right. All right. Well, uh, we have come to the end of our show. You've been listening to Money Talks. We appreciate you listening. We'll see you again next week. Guys, mark it up or down quick. Up. 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 Everybody up. You know I'm the broken record. Thanks for listening. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.